Hey everybody, my name is Kobe Warner, this is Koblizzy, and welcome to the show. Whether you're here for the first time or you're joining me again, I'm so happy you have decided to be here today. And I have a really fun episode in store for us. I'm going to be talking about lots of things. I've been saying I was going to tell a story for the longest time. I've been like, oh my god, I have so many funny stories. I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to tell a story, and then I literally have never told a story. And so I'm going to do that today. But it's not the only thing I'm going to do. I'm also going to talk about the new Instagram made meta dupe for Twitter called Threads and how it's kind of popping off. It's been like um, pretty lit in its like first week or so of like launching. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to see Beyonce this weekend, which is ah, insane on the Renaissance World Tour. And I'm going to mention a brief message about that sometime in the episode. I'm also going to talk about Speak Now, Taylor's version, the newly released Taylor's version record. And then I'm going to tell my story. But I'm going to start with the song of the week, as per usual. And the song of the week is I Can See You by Taylor Swift, one of the vault tracks from that newly released Speak Now, Taylor's version I just mentioned. I am obsessed with I can see you waiting down the hall from me. And I can see you up against the wall with me. And what would you do, baby, if you only knew? My favorite part. Oh, uh, uh, oh, that I could see you throw your jacket on the floor. And I could see you make you want me even more. And what would you do, baby, if you only knew? I was not expecting one of those Speak Now vault tracks to be a B.O.P. bop. A certified Bopiola. It's getting real dark in here. I was trying to use natural light today, and now it's just like getting so dim. If the quality in this video is insane, it's because I'm not going to start over. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that the sun's going behind clouds or whatever's happening outside right now. But anyway, I Can See You is amazing. And it's my favorite of the vault tracks. Uh, there's six total on Speak Now Taylor's version, and I Can See You is my favorite of the six for sure. By Country Mile. And um, regarding, like, the re-recordings, you know, all the songs that Taylor Swift has previously released and was re-recording, uh, I first just want to say I'm really happy that she has now been able to re-record and release half of her first six albums that were stolen from her. She's re-recorded three, and that's, that's half. All that's left is debut, Taylor Swift, the self-titled album, and 1989 and Reputation. And it's really, she's done all the country records. She's done Red, Speak Now, and Taylor Swift. I mean, or she hasn't done all the country records. She's done three-fourths of the country records, and she has two pop albums to do. So I don't know what order. I mean, 1989 is next. She's been dropping hints literally since the day of Speak Now, Taylor's version release. She posted, like, these Fourth of July pictures that are um, 1989 vibes. I just don't know how to tell you. If you're not a fan, you won't know. But it was just like, bitch, am I looking at the 1989 era on Instagram right now? Um, it's crazy. But anyway, I wanted to mention something that I think is so fun. Another amazing artist, Kelly Clarkson, who I love, tweeted back at Taylor Swift, tweeted at Taylor Swift back in 2019, at Taylor Swift 13, just a thought, you should go in and re-record all the songs that you don't own the masters on exactly how you did them, but put brand new art and some kind of incentive so fans will no longer buy the old versions. I'd buy all the new versions just to prove a point. With that emoji, if you're watching the video. And um, I, 
I just love that. I see that tweet on social media. It resurfaces, you know, once in a while now that these re-recordings are coming out. And I just love that Kelly Clarkson had said that. And she also, um, Kelly Clarkson released, uh, excuse me, recently released an album. And she's been, you know, doing a bunch of interviews and press to promote it. And somebody asked her about that. It was Andy Cohen, I think, on Watch What Happens Live. And she was just like, oh, I mean, she's a smart girl. She might have already thought about it beforehand, something along those lines. But it's just cool that Kelly Clarkson had that idea. And the fact that she even said add an incentive and new artwork. And then, you know, of course, Taylor Swift's putting new artwork and adding a vault track and as an incentive. You can hear me scratching. ASMR? Scratching? <laughs> ASMR? Um, she's adding vault tracks as an incentive. She's doing music videos. The I Can See music video is cunt. It is so good. Has Taylor Lautner in it, Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend, and Joey King and Presley Cash, and who were both in the Mean music video 13 years ago, back in 2009 or 10. And anyway, it's just so uh, it's so cool to watch Taylor Swift break records with re-recorded albums like you better do it to them girl that is so cool i love it um anyway so i can see you as a bop and i'm really into it and yeah that's that now we're gonna talk about threads because i made an account i think i was i made it on the first day it was launched to the public um I think it was launched a day before that to like influencers and stuff because there was a couple people already on it when I got there. But I literally, even though I got it on the first day, I am one of the I'm the four millionth four millionth excuse me person to do it. Um, four millionth nine hundred and <laughs> how do you read big numbers? <laughs> four million nine hundred <laughs> four million nine hundred and three thousand three hundred and seventy sixth person that's me on threads and it's crazy because now a week later there is 150 million people on threads like um, maybe that's an over exaggeration but mark uh zuckerberg tweeted uh like two days ago that they'd passed 100 million people already in the first week which is crazy which is crazy um it, i don't think an ever, a social media platform has ever grown that fast um but also they were wise because like if you log into threads, you like download the app for the first time, you just log in with your Instagram account and your handle's already reserved. Like nobody can get on threads and make a threads account. You have to have an Instagram account. And so it's actually really smart um, to integrate them like that. And I think that's definitely what lended uh, them the ability to grow that quick. You know what I mean? A hundred million people in a week is absolutely insane. That's insane. It's like a, a, a pretty big country. America has more people than that, but America's a huge country. Like, 100 million people is a lot. Are you kidding me? That is so many people. And so I was just going to say I like Threads. It's really a, it's a beta version of an app. It has, like, a, bugs, and, um, and it's messing up a lot of people's Instagrams. Like, now that they have Threads, their Instagram won't work. And it really doesn't have that many features. There's no hashtags. You can only search for people. You can't search for topics or, like, tweets or, excuse me, threads. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But Elon Musk is in a tizzy about it. Like, he is really not happy that they are <laughs> that they are um, making a – he called them copiers. Basically, he's like – uh, c competition is fine, but cheating isn't. And then he said him and Mark Zuckerberg should have a dick measuring contest. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on, America? So anyway, that's Threads. I just wanted to mention it briefly. Um, you should get it. You should try it. It's fun. 
but it's really not much different than Twitter. It's just a little bit more positive right now, but that won't last long. And there's no ads, but that also won't last long. So I'm like, it's really just another social media platform to operate, to be honest. So take that with what you will. It's fine. Um, it's better than all the other Twitter. Com- Twitter. I tried to say competitors and Twitter at the same time. It's all. It's better than all the twin competitors. <laughs> it's better than all the other ones. Like spill. I got spill. Like you had to have like a referral code, and I found one on Twitter, and I got spill, and then I literally deleted it as soon as thread came. Threads came out, and then I got Hive Social, and I deleted that as soon as Threads came out. I'm just like. Yeah, Threads really took over. Um, so I guess that's really what it's done is kill all the other com- people, all the other Twitter competitors. Definitely has mm, dog walked them, like curb stomped them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Twitter is still has some things that Threads doesn't. So we'll see what happens. It's gonna take a few months to tell if Threads is really gonna stick or if it's really gonna take over, so to speak. So we'll see. Um, I'll be reporting more on that later. Like I'm a journalist or something. <laughs> this is a pop culture podcast, bitch. It ain't the news. <laughs> I'm going to see Beyonce on Saturday for the second time. I saw Beyonce and Jay-Z at the 2018 On The Run 2 tour. And Beyonce is the artist of my life. Beyonce is my icon. Beyonce is a legend to me. She is a living legend. Um, not just to me, to the many people, to worlds. She's a celebrity to celebrities. And she is insanely and undeniably talented. She is an A++ vocalist. She is a superstar performer. She has stamina to do very long shows and dance hard. And she innovates even though she doesn't have to. She's could you know stick to the same style for each album but she doesn't and she's always switching it up and changing things and changing the game and surprising us and pissing us off sometimes when she gets us used to getting visual albums and then she doesn't put out a visual album and the people are like where are the visuals i'm like she she never she is ever changing and forever setting the standard she's the reason all your faves release music on fridays now because before that albums used to come out on tuesdays bitch Beyonce is the girl. Beyonce is that girl. And while I love tons of artists, Ariana and Lady Gaga and Naomi Campbell too, but she's not a (laughs) singer. And while I love, you know, Taylor Swift, while I love, I'm looking at my wall, Miley Cyrus, while I love, you know, all these people, Harry Styles and... Lil Nas X. Well, I love all these people. There's just something about Beyonce that will never be replicated, never be replaced, never be, um, you know, truly mirrored, never really be emulated. Beyonce is one of one. She's number one. She's the only one. And don't you dare try to compete with her. And if you don't get the reference, I don't know if this is the podcast for you. <laughs> I said after the On The Run 2 tour, I would never miss another Beyonce show because I was really mad that I didn't get to go to the Formation World Tour. And so I won't. And I've yet to. I'm seated for the Renaissance World Tour and I'll be anywhere Beyonce ever goes again. Well, not literally anywhere um, unless I get rich really fast. But I will go within my means to see Beyonce um, on any world tour she ever does ever. That's anywhere near Atlanta or in the southeastern region of the United States. As long as I live here, I will be seeing you, Beyonce. I love you, mother. 
I am your mother. Hey, you listen to me. People are hating on that song, but I kind of think it's a bop. Stop all them mansplaining. No one's listening. Tell me who gave you permission to speak. I am your mother. You listen to me. Like, you're just a bum, 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 bum. Are you kidding? Bum, 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 bum. It's a bop. Whatever, you guys. Like, y'all just don't like Megan Trainer, and I don't even know why. Um, she be doing that little doo-doo, boppity boop boop, old school music. She does her thing like she does it. Like she has a brand, and I'm not mad at her for a brand. I'm all about branding. Good for you, girl. Anyway, let's talk about speak now. Um, I wanted to talk about like the album cuts. I mentioned the vault tracks and how my favorites I can see you, but um it was really like for me, I my Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> my Taylor Swift fan behavior started very young because I liked country music when I was a little kid because um, I was just kind of raised around country music to a degree and like old school R&B and stuff but like my mom's side of the family listened to country music and so I'd hear Taylor Swift on the radio and I'd be like yeah that's the girl and so I was on the train in Fearless Fearless was the album that got me on board and so when Speak Now came out I didn't get to go to the tour that was actually the tour I've mentioned before I was supposed to go to the Speak Now world tour and then I didn't get to go because these people, anyway, I don't have to mention the story again. I've already told it a couple of times. I'm still bitter, as I've probably mentioned before. But anyway, Speak Now is a tour I didn't get to go to. And so I would literally just sit on the family computer and watch the tour videos over and over and over again, just because I loved Taylor Swift so much. Um, so yes, hearing Speak Now was similar to hearing Fearless and similar to hearing Red. These are all albums that I listened to when I was a kid. Um, and that was a long time ago, all three of the albums. Fearless the longest, Speak Now a long time, and Red a little bit less than Speak Now. But it's just like, wow. To hear those albums a decade later, at least all of them, is um, wild. And to hear Taylor sing some of these songs in her grown-up voice, especially Never Grow Up, hearing her sing that as a grown-up is heart-wrenching. De uh, Dear John, the new Taylor's version is magical. Back to December has really been hitting for me right now. I love the new version. Sparks Fly was my favorite Taylor Swift song as a kid. And so that one's definitely being bopped. Um, she changed the lyrics in Better Than Revenge, as I'm sure some of the Swifties are aware. I, I don't know if I think it's that big of a deal. And it's not that I don't think misogyny or... It's not that I don't think misogyny should be taken seriously, but the entire chorus of that song is kind of misogynistic. And then she changed one of the lines just because it said something about sleeping on a mattress, implying the girl's sex life. But the en entire chorus was kind of slut-shaming her. So I'm just like, if you're going to change one line, change the whole thing. And if you're not going to change the whole thing, don't change none of it. That's my opinion. But I guess maybe I shouldn't be commenting, damn, it's getting dark in here. I guess I'm not the one to lead the charge on the misogyny conversation so maybe somebody else should let me know what they think but i'm just like change the whole thing or don't change it at all um but i like hearing her say now go sit in the corner and think about what you've done i love that soundbite <laughs> um i've also been loving mine um and ours this love is ours um i'm just doing this off the top of my head yeah, I just love Speak Now. So it's nice to hear the Taylor's version. I like it. Apparently people on the internet don't love it or something. I'm not paying attention to them. I can't listen to locals. And I've kind of been off Twitter and been on threads. And people are a lot nicer on threads. So I don't see as much hate as I do when I'm on Twitter. 
Um, so yeah, that's speak now. Now I'm gonna tell my story. <laughs> it's the time I. It's a throwback to the Disney Channel for those who are Disney kids. TTI, TTI broke my knee and blew out my voice while I was performing in a musical and doing a church performance. <laughs> and I know this sounds like a lot. And it kind of is. And so let me set the scene. It is December. It is my freshman year of high school. I am obviously still living in my hometown. I am doing my second musical in the drama program at my new high school. And it's the first one that I have a lead role in. And it was my first semester of high school. Did I say that? Okay, so I set the scene. There it is, right? That's the circumstances. And so we were doing Shrek the Musical. And the people who went to high school with me are like, oh my God, are you really talking about this right now? And yes, the fuck I am, bitch. Um, We were doing Shrek the Musical. (laughs) And I was playing Lord Farquaad. And people who are familiar with Shrek the Musical, like the musical theater version, are like, bitch, you're tall. And yes, I am. And so in a lot... In Shrek the Musical, Farquaad usually walks on his knees, and I did too, and so me walking on my knees made me short enough to be believably Lord Farquaad. So there you go. That's what I did. But you heard me what I, you heard what I said. You heard me what I said is what I was about to say, but what I meant to say is you heard what I said. I was walking on my knees, and I had knee pads, but to be honest, they didn't do much, and the stage was hardwood, wooden, like any other stage, and... I don't know. There was like this one part in Welcome to Duloc where I would like run on my knees. I would like run to the front of the stage on my knees. And the knee pads, you know, worked a little bit, but it wasn't like the most comfortable thing ever. And there was this other part where I had to like ride in a wagon. And so I had to like crouch down a lot. And so I'm telling you all of this because well, actually I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let me talk about how I didn't know my lines. So I said this was the first musical where uh, I had played a lead in high school. And that was true. And so, um, and I guess Farquaad's not even that big of a part, but it is a lead character, so to speak. And I emphasize it's not that big of a part because there wasn't like that many lines to learn. There was a couple of scenes, but like back then, for some reason, memorization was a lot hard for me. I guess I just really didn't want to do it. And so we were in tech week. And if you don't know what that means, it's like the week before you're about to open ordinarily. And you are, like, running all the technical transitions and, like, making sure, like, the show is, like, really going on with all the lights and the the band and all this shit. And um, I didn't know my lines in Tech Week. And I just remember one time, it was Tech Week. The lights come up on me. The scene starts. And I went, line. (laughs) And my parents were in the audience. And our director just started yelling at me. He was so mad. And to be honest, I don't know if I ever learned the lines to that show. (laughs) I think uh, I definitely got something around what they were supposed to be eventually, but it took literally probably up until opening night. And so we opened and we did like probably like four shows in high school, maybe five. And so we get to the last performance and the last performance is where the Georgia High School Musical Theater Award, Theater Awards adjudicators, which are like these people that come to judge you. There's like two or three of them. And they'll come and they watch your show and they like score you and judge you. And then the whole group of adjudicators, there's a big group of them. They compare all the scores and then they award, 
you know, like the best scored shows at an award ceremony. And the first, the first couple of best scored shows get nominated, like five people or whatever. And so we were coming to get judged and they would literally come all the way down to your school to judge you. And so we had people coming down there to judge us. And uh, it's the last night. It was on closing night when they were coming because, oh, we would have done all the performances and we would have had time to like really build up our character and our system. Right. Like this closing night's going to be the strongest performance. Right. Um, And so we weren't allowed to eat backstage. (laughs) And I don't remember. I guess there was like rats or something. I don't remember why we weren't allowed to eat backstage, but he didn't want us. Our director didn't want us to eat backstage. And so one time I was sitting on the stairs and I was eating somebody had brought me food like my mom or my friend or something had brought me I don't remember what I was eating but I was eating something on the stairs and I was not supposed to be eating and the stairs were like made out of concrete uh falling on any stairs would have hurt but these stairs were concrete and so I hear the director coming because he like said something 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 and I hear him coming and I'm like oh shit I'm not supposed to be eating and so it's before the performance where the judges are coming and I'm like scrambling. I'm just trying to grab all my shit that I'm like eating and my drink and whatever. And I try to grab it and take off running. And instead of successfully evading that situation and not getting caught for eating, I fell down the stairs onto my kneecap and I like fractured it or a bruise. I didn't actually break it when I said that I was just being dramatic Um, but I had like really, really severely injured my knee. And then an hour later, I had to go on stage and run around on my knees because the judges were there. (laughs) So I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. This is horrible. And this is despicable. This is diabolical. And this is nasty. I'm like, this is not good. (laughs) And I literally didn't even get away from him with my food. So it didn't even fucking matter. Bitch, you should have just sat there and got in trouble for eating instead of going and breaking your knee. And I think it was this one because this is the one that still hurts sometimes. I don't know why injuries do that. Like, why do you have to hurt after you heal? Like, just stop. Like, I just don't know. Like, stop hurting. But anyway, so my knee is killing me, you guys. And like, they had given me ice and they had given me, I don't know, biofreeze or whatever. They'd wrap my shit up and then put my knee pads on. Like, they had done everything they could for me, giving me, you know, maybe, I don't know, I guess something like ibuprofen wouldn't help pain for that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it would. I don't know how medicine works. But um, anyway, I don't think I took any medicine or maybe I did. I really don't remember. But I go on stage and it was just a circumstance like having to run up to the front of the stage during what's up do on my knees. Like, are you kidding? Having to crouch down in that um, uh, fucking wagon, bitch, for one scene hurt so bad because like somebody was sitting on my uh, somebody was sitting on my legs. I don't remember who it was, maybe Fiona or something. It just it was like really bad. Like it was such a bad performance for the judges to be there. And I'll be damned if during the show, my mic doesn't stop working. And so now my mic's the only one that's not working. Everybody else is mic'd so the audience can hear them. And I'm having to yell and scream so I can be heard. 
But then I also sang this one song called The Ballad of Farquaad, and it was like, my daddy was a minor, but he wasn't much around. And it was like really low for me back then. I can, I don't remember. It's a piano. My daddy was a minor, so he wasn't much around. Life spent underground. Daddy didn't talk much, he barely said hello. <laughs> he simply muttered, hi-ho, <laughs> and off to work he'd go. <laughs> ah, it's funny, I really could not hit them notes back then. It was, I was 14, like, I could not hit them notes, I'm 21 now. I could not hit those notes seven, seven years ago, Jesus Christ. I can't believe I was a freshman in high school seven years ago. It hurts my head. Um, geez. Anyway, so, so I, um, I, those notes were really low is my point. And I, because I couldn't hit them, I couldn't project them. And so the audience literally probably could not hear me at all for that song. It was just an all around terrible performance. I hurt my knee. It was killing me. My mic stopped working. I couldn't be heard by the audience. It was just like a mess and a half and because my mic went out and I was trying so hard to be heard I blew my voice out I blew my voice out and you're like okay Kobe well you hurt your knee and you blew your voice out you have to rest now right this is the last night at least it's the last show Kobe it's like yeah you didn't do good in front of the judges but at least it's the last show yeah except the last show was on a Saturday night back then I sang in Chun I almost said I sang in Chun-Li, so I'm not talking about Nicki Minaj right now. Um, <laughs> I sang in churches on Sundays, and this specific Sunday, I mentioned it was December. It was a Christmas service at a church that I used to sing at with my middle school chorus teacher. So I was in high school at this point, but my chorus teacher from middle school also directed chorus at a church, and she had invited me and my friend, uh, me and Alicia over to sing at this church and so we used to go sing at this church with my middle school uh, my middle school chorus teacher and a bunch of old people to be honest there was i mean there was a couple like younger adults i suppose but it was mostly older people and um so it wasn't just any christmas service that i had the sunday after shrek oh no it was the christmas cantata cantata i don't know how to say that word if you don't go to church and you don't know what a cantata means that means it's a really long uh, medley of songs but it's a choral medley so it's a bunch of songs chorally arranged together and so it was just a bunch of christmas songs and we were singing some really big songs and i just had no voice and so i really there was hardly any tenor section at the, i was a tenor at the time there was hardly any tenor section at all um and so i was certainly no help with my no voice having ass and then, to be the cherry on top, the cherry on top is that I had a solo. And this was so traumatic for me, I actually don't even remember what the solo was. Like, I actually don't even remember what song I had a solo in. But I had blown my voice out the night before. I had no voice. I was on crutches. I forgot to mention this. I couldn't walk because my knee was hurt so bad. I was on crutches. 
and I hobble up to the <laughs> to the, we were in like these like these pews, but they were like raised or like leveled, so they were like stacked. If I don't know if you guys know what risers are, but if you know what risers are, if you did band or chorus, it just means there's like chairs and the chairs behind them are a little bit higher and the chairs behind them are a little bit higher and the chairs behind them are a little bit higher and they're like rised so you can see everybody except these risers had pews on them and so i had to like they were really tight it was a tight squeeze i had to like hobble through the pews past all the people on my crutches try not to bust my ass and then walk down the stairs get up to the podium and then Jesus, whatever song I was saying, Jesus, I was like, it was the most humiliating experience of my performance life, I think, honestly, because I was just in such bad shape, and nobody would listen to me, they were like, oh, you can do it, you can do it, you'll be fine, you go on, and I'm like, you guys, I can't do it, like, I can't do it, and then I just embarrassed myself, and oh my god, my pictures are falling off the wall, I wonder where they went. I just realized some of my pictures are missing. Um, anyway, it was just a mess. And after I left, I was like, you know what? Well, at least, at least, you know, it was uh, nobody I knew was there. At least I don't really know these people. But I'm not never coming back. I had decided, like, as soon as that happened, I'm never coming back. And, um, and so I leave. And I never went back. That's true. That was my last service singing. And I had been singing at that church for probably like a year, a year and a half, two years maybe. I never went back. I was so embarrassed. I never went back. And um, uh, at least I was, remember when I was like, oh, nobody I knew was an audience. And so then I get a message on Snapchat from this kid that I knew from my high school. One of the only other kids that I knew that was gay. Um, and he was like, oh my God, you guys did, you guys did so good. You sounded great at church today. And I was like, oh my God, you were there. Like, ah, like it was just trauma. Um, but he also said I did good, which is crazy. Cause I definitely did not do good. Um, <laughs> and so that was just a whole and total mess. And I truly and totally never went back to that church. I know that was a short story, um, but I just kind of wanted to ease you in. That one is just like trauma, performance trauma. It's not really that funny, but there is some crazy shit that happened in that high school drama club. And that was like kind of my first not great experience. Um, and there was some other, there's some other storytelling worth moments that happened. And so this is so funny. All my friends from drama are going to be like, Kobe, are you really cracking open this can of worms? And I think I might. <laughs> I think I might. It's been a couple years. It's been three. You know, it's been a minute. Um, anyway, so that's my little short story. Um, and along with, you know, Beyonce and Speak Now and threads and i can see you up or i could see you up against the wall with me that's my favorite lyric and um uh, make me want you even more um yeah that's just a bop oh there was some stuff about colleen ballinger i wanted to mention actually i was about to end the episode but there's some i made that episode about colleen ballinger last week let me cover my face up because you know if i can see the viewfinder i'm looking at it i don't know what it is about me and myself but i like to look at me <laughs> whenever there's a reflection i catch it i must be honest um oh there's actually a couple of things that i screenshotted that i wanted to share with you guys i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston has reached one billion streams 
on Spotify. One billion streams on Spotify. And I think that's so cool. It's the second song from the 1980s to do that by a woman. The second female song from the 1980s to reach one billion streams on Spotify. And the first one was literally like last month because Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill hit one billion streams. And that was the first female song from the 80s. This is the second. So that's awesome. Great for Whitney Houston. Oh, wait. Great for Whitney Houston for Whitney Houston I'm talking like she is here but great for her estate I guess Whitney Houston really is a legendary like voice she has so many bops and um now here's the stuff about Colleen so I watched the H3 podcast about Colleen and that's like Ethan Klein and Gila and that's where um Trisha used to do frenemies with Ethan and so that was actually my introduction to Ethan. I didn't know about H3 before Trisha did Frenemies with him. And I haven't really watched him since, uh, or watched them since um, Trisha stopped doing Frenemies with them in that controversy. But I watched their podcast on Colleen Ballinger, and it was actually so funny. They're really kind of hilarious. They are funny people. Um, but there's some stuff about it that's, they reacted to Colleen's, uh, 10 minute toxic gossip train and she copyright striked them on YouTube, which is so funny. She uploaded it to CD baby and copyright striked them, um, or claimed them, copyright claimed them. And it says that she uploaded it to CD baby because it says it's on behalf of CD baby corporation. And I think when she uploaded it, I have a theory. This next part is alleged. I think when she uploaded it to CD Baby to copyright strike Ethan, she accidentally put it on streaming services. I think you can do that through CD Baby. I don't think you just have to sell CDs there. Um, because I don't think she would have genuinely put it on streaming services on purpose, but it did surface on Apple Music. And then Pop Crave posted about that. And then Colleen Ballinger's, this is a quote from Pop Crave on Twitter. Quote, Pop Crave's, uh, excuse me, quote, Colleen Ballinger's legal reps tell Pop Crave that Ballinger did not upload the 10-minute ukulele song Toxic Gossip Train to iTunes and Apple Music. It's now been removed, um, which is accurate. When I went and to her, when I went to her artist profile on Apple Music and pulled it up, it did say Toxic Gossip Train, but when I clicked on it, it wouldn't play. So they removed it immediately as soon as they uploaded it. But I think maybe that had something to do with the fact that she uploaded Toxic Gossip Train on CD Baby to then copyright claim Ethan. I think she did do it. Maybe it wasn't on purpose, but... When her lawyer said she didn't do it, I'm like, I don't know if that's accurate because she definitely did copyright claim Ethan. Like, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, that happened. Also, the remainder of her tour has been canceled. She was on tour and the rest of it was canceled. So that's just something else that happened. And I think that's it. I just want to keep kind of reporting on this because now that I've talked about it, it's like this is a situation that just keeps changing and evolving like since I made that episode about her last week like the day after I taped it the next day all those blackface um allegations came out and like the video of her doing single ladies and then people were saying she was in blackface and I was gonna like make an edit to the episode to add that in but then before I could even do that people had come out and said it was actually green face paint um but that's actually not the only racist thing she had done so even though that's been disproven it's like she still had that one video where she was impersonating like um mexican people with her sister 
She has a Miranda video where she's teaching you how to sing like a big black woman. And honestly, yeah, there's just, it's, there's a lot of problematic shit. So I just don't think the fact that she didn't do blackface is going to make her a victim. Like you're calling, you're not a victim. And your apology is still trash. <laughs> like, I can't believe that shit's still up, to be honest. I think that oh, she's just concerned with the fact that she has a hit video. She's like, I'm not taking it down. It's a hit. Who cares if they don't like it? It's a hit. 10 million views? It's a hit. Let me see if it's... 10 million views is how much it had last time I checked. Toxic Gossip Train. I will say, that song is fucking catchy. And like, an earworm that makes you want to kill yourself kind of way. Oh, I mean... An ill a earworm that makes you want to commit kind of way, but I'm like that song is w- 11 million views. I'm like that shit is crazy. I would play you a clip of it, but baby, you can go watch her video and give her a view because she's not gonna let me get one off of her. She gonna send me a claim, um, and I'm not gonna let Colleen copyright claim me. I don't want her to see all this shit because then she gonna start coming for me too. I don't want her lawyers on my ass. <laughs> Um, now that she got lawyers, this whole time I'm thinking she ain't got a legal team because of how ridiculous she was acting. Whole time she has counsel. I'm like, they let you do this? You need to get a new lawyer. Um, but also she has the same lawyer as the the guy that got convicted of like sexual assault or Danny Masterson, the guy from that '70s show. Let me look up what his conviction was. Masterson conviction because I think she has the same legal team as him. At least that's what I saw. Ooh. Oh, my God. He got convicted on rape. Two of three counts. Sorry. Trigger warning. Jesus Christ. Okay. Let me look up Colleen Ballinger legal defense. What the fuck? I thought it was going to be like, like, not it's any better. Anyway, Jesus. Um, it says her legal team. Who is her legal team? I don't know, but the only thing they spoke out of, uh, spoke out about is blackface. So that's, I guess, the only thing they're saying she didn't do because she did the rest of it. She sure did. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm gonna end the episode here. Uh, I just wanted to update you on some of those uh, hot topics. Unfortunately, one of my childhood faves is now a hot topic for grooming and racism, and so I guess I have to talk about it because I'm doing a pop culture podcast. It's kind of um, surreal. And disorienting, but I am definitely not the one most affected by this situation. It would definitely be the victims of her grooming and the people she's claiming she did nothing to. Um, and it's weird to me that she's just like, well, I, because I didn't intend to make them feel weird, it's not valid. It's fake. It's them trying to get clout. It's like, well, just because you didn't intend to do something doesn't mean you didn't do it. Um, I mean, even Ethan in H3 said last night that uh, hell was the the road to hell is paved with good intentions and bloop um because colleen is certainly toxic taking that toxic gossip train down to hell <laughs> that's crazy allegedly so she don't sue me bye y'all go to couple if you want more of me